Hello, and you are very welcome back to the Public Eye Business Podcast brought to you by Granite Exchange. I'm your host, Sarah Travers, and throughout the series, I'm speaking with local entrepreneurs and business owners to learn more about how their companies have come to be, to gain insight into their growth, and find out how they continue to innovate. So wherever you get your podcasts from, remember to keep an eye out for all new episodes and subscribe to stay up to date. Well, today I'm joined by Brian McCann, Managing Director of DFI Beds. Brian, welcome to the podcast studio. Thank you very much. How Sarah. are you today? I'm good. I can't complain. So good. good. Well, before we begin, I'm going to give a little bit of background on your story and the story of DFI Beds. So DFI Beds is home to Ireland's largest online bedding retailer. With over 20 years in the online bedding business, DFI Beds understand the importance of high quality products and great services at an affordable price. It is a unique business that is direct from manufacturers to customers. This allows total control over the product offering reducing lead times and offering customers superior quality at a reduced price. Now, every single product they sell has been handmade in Ireland and their products are made from the finest raw materials. They've been designed by sleep experts, I think I'm one of those, and adjusted to give their customers the best night's sleep and we all love those. DFI are currently in the process of opening their very first bricks and mortar store coming very soon to the Keys Shopping Centre right here in Newry. Brian, why Newry? Um, Yuri is pretty central for our customer base, we thought. Um, we've done a bit of looking around different shopping centres and every time we come to Yuri, there's a nice buzz around it. It seems to be the place to be at the moment. And the place that everybody wants to buy a bed, hopefully. Let's hope so. That's what we, <laughs> we really hope so at this stage. So I was saying there, you know, you've been Ireland's largest online bedding retailers f- for over 20 years, but where do you come in and where do you fit into the story? Give us a little yeah. bit about your background. So um, for years I lived in Australia and um, worked in the wholesale business and um, pretty much my whole professional career I've been in wholesale. Came home about 2020, I think it was, maybe before, and got into wholesale uh, food, but didn't like that end of business, I suppose, and moved into this industry. Um, after a few years, I seen that there was a unique market to go direct to the customer. So um, the idea is offering product more affordable for customers, trying to get that happy medium ground where instead of someone in the middle taking a bit of profit, it's cut down. I see. So um, where is home then? So home for me is Derry Lahan. Um, it's a rural townland in County Tyrone, just outside Cull Island. That's where the factory is. It's where I suppose I've grew up my whole life. I spent most of my life apart from travelling. Um, happily married in it now with a young family. So hoping to install in the, the good of the country in them people. But you started DFI Beds? No. I didn't. No. no, no. I was going to say, no. so the factory's there now? Though. The factory's oh, there now. So okay. um, I suppose DFI Beds started, it was 20 years ago odd. It's grew. It started from Facebook, online selling, stack them high, sell them cheap. Um, from we've took over, or from I've took over, it's been manufacturing a, probably a middle-end product to try and diverse our product offering, different colours, different styles, building a new website, um, all with ensuring that there's a seven-day guaranteed delivery time. So, 
And how difficult has that been, particularly uh, in recent years? Yeah, it has been very uh, difficult, but I think a lot of the furnishing people will see the effect COVID had. Um, containers and whatnot were stopped coming, like most businesses. Getting product was very, very difficult, especially finished product. Um, sitting on raw materials is a much better place to be. When a customer orders, we make to order. So it's much more valuable to have the finish or the raw materials rather than finished materials sitting in stock. So talk me through that. So the customer literally, you 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 design the bed, you build the bed to order. So yeah, um, we have a full website. It's actually been a new website going live next week. So we're getting a rebrand done currently at the moment. It's all about to go live. Um, we've... Uh, I'd say maybe a thousand different products online at the moment. Wow. And once a customer picks that bed, our system places an order through to the factory and the guys begin making it. So we don't have any stock um, sitting on the floor. It's direct order for per customer. DFIbeds.com, same website address. Yeah. I'm having a look and, you know, you're, you're offering luxury beds and mattresses. How important is a good night's sleep to people? A good night's sleep the most important thing for, for most people in the world. Um, it's essential to get a good night's sleep, to have a good day. Um, as we say, sleep well, live well. It actually means to literally sleep well. You'll wake up in the morning, you'll feel refreshed and be ready to attack the day? Well, I love my bed, so I would totally agree <laughs> with that. I find it very hard to get out of my bed, and I can't wait to get back in it in the evening. But, you know, how much do people spend on their bed? This is the thing. It can range very much. So um, I know a lot of people think the most expensive mattress is the mattress that you must pick. I would completely disagree with that almost. Oh. Um, find the mattress that's best for you. Find the bed that suits your style. We have a lot of different colours. It ranges from starting 229 euro to 250 euro for a mattress. Um, then you're looking at, for a full bed, the, the, one of the most expensive beds would be Arne McGregor's bed, which would be 999 euro, I think it is. <laughs> right, interesting name dropping there, absolutely. <laughs> um, we'll come back to that in, in just a minute. So, you know, it, they do cost a lot, but you do spend a lot of time in there, so you've got to get it right. What happens with a couple, though, when it comes to mattress quality and whether somebody prefers a softer mattress or somebody else prefers the harder mattress? Is uh, this a problem? We do find that often it's the woman who makes the decision on beds. Um, most men are just happy to lie down. <laughs> um, personally, that's the way it is in my house. My wife, Anya, she got the picking of the bed and I just have to accept what's picked. <laughs> um, <laughs> but there is always a happy medium bed, which can suit both parties. Um, most men don't like too soft a bed. They'll always come in and say they want a firm bed. Women tend to like a soft bed. It's maybe a wee bit generalisation, but it tends to be the fountains that we have. That's so interesting. Now, you did say, though, that you should choose the mattress, that you should test the mattress. How does that work online? That's why we have our sleep experts online. Um, we know beds. It's a, we know beds better than anyone. Um, the guys that we have online are always available to chat there's hundreds if not thousands of reviews at this stage of each of our products read those those are real people giving real reviews so if you read through we have a firmness meter on each bed that gives you the good basis of how to start most people say they want a soft medium or firm bed we've got all areas covered pick the bed that you like read a few reviews and nine times 9.9 times out of 10 we get it right now, why then are you 
deciding after all this time, you know, I've had an online business, but now we're going to have a bricks and mortar. Most people are going the other way. So you've chosen to actually have that physical presence. It is a sign of confidence for our customers, ultimately. A lot of people still like the in-store visit. Myself, personally, um, I prefer to buy online. That's just maybe my hectic lifestyle where I don't go shopping. Um, but still there is a customer basis who likes to come see, touch the bed. We also know in photographs sometimes it can be very difficult to actually get the right material th- across. So this is a chance for anyone who wants to call in store, come and meet us, see us. It's, it's there for a reason and we're more than happy. We're not going to be pushing a bed sale on people. We want it to be a unique shop that where you come in, you enjoy yourself. Feel free to leave, to scroll online. There's going to be iPods around the shop that customers can see the actual product online. It is more a touch-feel experience. Now, obviously, customers have a lot of choice now. And, you know, it is a busy marketplace, especially if you can order online too. How would you say DFI Bed stands out from its competitors? It is a fact we are manufacturing. I think now at the level we're operating, we're the only people in Ireland doing this. I'm sure... There's local guys doing this, but we have a state-of-the-art factory. Um, anyone can go online and see the videos of the process we're doing. We are direct from factory, as I said, cutting out the middleman straight to retailer. That's allowing us to reduce our lead times, reduce our costs, and offer the best service possible. This podcast is sponsored by Granite Legal Services, a niche business and immigration law practice located in the heart of Newry City. Granite Legal Services provides legal advice to both individuals and companies alike across a wide range of industries, from employment, commercial or corporate law matters to immigration law. Granite Legal Services focuses on providing legally sound, practical advice to its clients. To get in touch, visit www.granitelegalservices.co.uk or contact 028 3026 You have really built this company. You've really invested a lot of blood, sweat and tears and personal time into this. What would you say has been the most challenging part of that journey so far? It is being on top and staying on top. Um, and it was maybe a bit of a cliche, but it is very difficult when you're at the top. Everyone wants to take your spot. Sometimes we don't congratulate ourselves enough for what we're doing because it becomes second nature that you just keep going forward. It's sometimes taking that breath to step back and go, OK, we've done well there, but it's on to the next challenge. At the moment, it just seems to be constant climbing up the ladder. But that's the way I live my life. It's sometimes maybe on the staff, I have to step back and say, well done on that one. And how many staff do you have? We have, at the moment, 15 on our production floor, five drivers and five guys in the office. And then we use a lot of consultants who do different aspects of work for us. And now you'll be opening the doors in Newry too. Yeah. So you're providing a lot of employment on the ground in County Tyrone near Kalila, and that must make you proud. It does. The factory we're in is literally 20 metres, not even from my home house. Um, It was an uncle of mine's factory growing up. So to take it over after the recession, it was closed for many years, and to have it opened and manufacturing, this makes me very proud. Um, if I walk outside, there's probably someone driving by who I know, so it means a lot of stopping and chatting, but it's brilliant to see in the local area. And why is it important for you to stay in that local area? Uh, it's where I grew up, I suppose. Um, growing up, 
there I am from would be a peat processing area traditionally. Um, growing up, I preferred to work even than going to school. I was that type of person where I'd rather be doing something than academically and never probably pushed myself overly hard. Um, whilst I qualified and got all my degrees, it was never at my priority. My priority would have been working just being hands-on, doing something. Um, so describe growing up there. So were you literally digging peat yourself? Yeah, I would have been in turning turf, um, turning st- turf. or stooling turf, rather, oh. um, driving a tractor, different things like that. It's just what sack comes back in nature. It's and what was home like for you? Uh, well, uh, to my parents were great, um, but they always were very much, we went out to work um, from a young age. They were hard-working people, so it was instilled in us we... Just my dad would have drove a lorry and I would have been out with him <laughs> driving forklifts, different things like that. Um, it's just you worked. And it's probably come second nature to me now that you get up early, you just do your day's work and there's no such thing as an end time or start time. You just like working. <laughs> you mentioned there, obviously, about the recession. You also mentioned that you went to Australia. You, like many other young people yeah. from the island of Ireland, uh, when did you go there? At so what age and why? After I graduated, I studied in Liverpool and got a degree in finance and accounting. Um, at that stage, things were pretty bleak around this part of the world. Um, and my partner, Anya, and me decided it was time to go travelling. We left in 2011 and we were there for six years. Um, it was just, there wasn't a lot of lot happening in this area. And of course, we said we would go travel. We got to Sydney, first of all, and... We pretty much settled there for two years. Uh, lucky I fell in with work. Um, I was an assistant accountant for Lang O'Rourke. Um, got put on a job with uh, an alliance company. Um, so there were four companies working together to build the rails in Sydney. It was a great experience for me. I got to work with four different accountants. Um, seeing how to get the same outcome, you can have four different programs, oh. working with different people, how it all come together. It was was that your first job using, you know, your degree? Yeah, that was pretty much the first time. I was very lucky. Friends got me into the job and it just was a great experience. And those people that, that probably never hear from me again, but they brought me on so much. Um, just different characters. It learned me a lot working in a big organisation. At that time, our visa was ready to expire and I got offered a job in Darwin. And now this would have been the most interesting job I've ever had. Um, it was for uh, a management company who were managing outback remote stores. So they were a government-funded company, but we had to look after 33 stores in outback Australia. Oh, so, my word. Yeah, so it's... Um, How did you get that job? Just pure... I applied for it, and the recruitment company actually made a bit of a mistake. They rang me and pretty much told me I had the job before the company got in touch with me, so it all worked out very well. But it was a huge move at the time. So but describe Darwin then. I imagine very hot, very dry, very arid, very remote. Yeah, exactly that. Um, really hot. Um, two seasons, wet season, dry season. Wet season is horrendous. It's just a pure build-up of humidity <gasps> in the high 90% humidity maybe at times. Um, just you sweat it walking out through the door. But then the dry season would come along one morning and for three, four months, you had just beautiful weather and no rain and a lot of tourists up, but then it would come back till, so during the winter here, we were fighting through wet season, which was horrendous. Uh, So you didn't stay there? No. Is that because of the climate or the work? Um, It was more so the climate and home was always home. Um, Calling you. Yeah, we both have our uh, families at home. 
and we always, me and Anya said we would always come home. And is um, Anya from the same part of the world? Anya's from Belfast and it was a huge move for her to move up into <laughs> the country. Um, and what was she doing then when you were A in the accountant's office? That sounded quite nice being in Sydney, but um, you were in the outback stores. So luckily we were based in Darwin, so we would have been flying in on a small um, helicopter, not a helicopter, but a small plane, a two-seater plane possibly, or a three-seater plane, out for a few days back in um, it Anya was working for insurance company, um, Allianz Insurance, so she was quite happy t- to be in Darwin. Of course, like most people in that part of the world, you can only do it for a certain time with the heat. So, so you came home, both of you? Yeah, we, we did indeed. <laughs> and what happened then? So I got into one of the fruit, or the food, sorry, wholesalers. Um, I worked for Musgrave. Now, I think at that point having done the job I'd done previously and being able to make a real change it was quite a challenge it was reporting from an accountant's perspective but not being actually able to do anything be hands on make a which change which you'd had but in Darwin yeah which I'd had and so I think I lasted a year of that there was a lot of travelling to Belfast back and forward it just wasn't for me and I knew at that time it was time to do something else so did Anya come with you to Coal Island? Anya is now living yet. She's now part of the Dairyland community. And is that, <laughs> as, is that as uh, remote <laughs> as some of the places she took her in Australia? For her, she might think it is anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, she's now fitting into the community after telling her maybe a hundred times who owns what house, but she knows oh. it now. <laughs> she knows them all, yeah. Oh, that's lovely. I'm yeah. sure she's. I'm sure she loves living in County Tyrone. She does. We have her two daughters and... By this time, the, the time this podcast go live, I'd probably have our son born. We're going into hospital now tonight. Pretty much, what? The, yeah. You are not. Are, are you literally watching your phone? At literally the from this. I'm Please tell me she's hospital. not in labour. You're going. No, no, she's not yet. But oh, thank goodness. We're hoping to. We're hoping the doctor can bring the labour on tonight. This should be the plan. Oh, how lovely! Yeah. And you know, you're having a little boy this time. I'm having a boy, and that's me. So how do you find daddy duties and becoming a father yourself? Uh, it's everything. It's, it puts everything into perspective. Um, very lucky to have a supporting family, wider family with my mother and father and auntie, their aunties and uncles. Um, and then on Anya's side, it's the exact same. It's just hectic. You come home from a tough day's work and they're standing at the window waving at the end. Everything washes away I suppose you have to go in and play games and, and be it's happy. it's going to get even more hectic. It is but that's the way we like it. Yeah. So how do you feel after having two daughters having a son this time? It's going to be a bit of a change. I always, like most men say they want a son. Mm-hmm. Um, of course I do want a son but not to say I don't but when you're first born a girl and they take over your whole world that's, <laughs> you don't really mind why it's a son or a daughter as long as they're healthy. And Do you see the world from a different perspective when you become a daddy of a daughter do you think? I do, and our first daughter, Ella, was, she had some complications with a liver disease when she was born, or oh. soon after. Um, it changed everything, it's changed your whole out, out, um, outlook on life. We had to fly to Birmingham, it was all a wee bit manic, but it, luckily she's doing much better now, and she's just like a normal child for the foreseeable touch wood. <laughs> Well, when you go through something like that, it puts everything into perspective. I'm just wondering what your values are and whether those align with your company values. Yeah, uh, our values are really simple. It's We're normal people, as hopefully you've seen today. Um, there's nothing fancy about us. We're not hiding behind anything. We're just normal people who understand our market. We understand our customers. It's like anything in business. 
a transaction has to be fair and that's exactly what we want. We want our customers saying, yep, that's a fair price for a fair product. I don't want anyone ever to think they've ripped, got ripped off and it wouldn't be in my nature to think, oh, I've ripped someone off. It's, it's a happy medium for everyone where everyone's happy to pay for their service. That sounds like um, a very good value to have. Um, does Anya work in the business now? Anya's looking after the um, wholesale, or not the wholesale, the hotel side of the business. Ah, tell us about that. Yeah, so we supply hotels, mattresses, it's actually Irish contract beds. Um, so we took over it re- quite recently. Anya's been building up the portfolio, trying to get in touch with old customers. Um, we've actually, we always sort of go to our flagship hotel would be the Titanic Hotel. Ah, fabulous. Yeah, oh, so I love the Titanic. I must have slept in one of your beds. <laughs> yeah, <then>. yeah <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, we were actually down in it last week doing a photo shoot, so we've quite a good relationship with the Titanic where we take our product down for photo shoots in the drawing room one, which is an absolutely Super fantastic. marketing. Yeah. <laughs> if you're taking that elsewhere, I think, you know, the whole Titanic story, everybody knows. That's it. And it's a great experience. Even I took a few of the staff down just to give them the experience of the Titanic to say, enjoy your day type thing um, they loved it got by Tate and got to see around them it makes everyone happier so how did that come about that you thought we've got to get into the hotels there is a market in hotel business um, it's a difficult market in that you never know when a hotel's going to actually need beds you can't just phone up a hotel and say do you need beds it's just being present at the right time um, I suppose when you look around and if in your way home if you count the amount of buildings that need beds it's pretty crazy when you see it, even in a small island like Ireland. Then you go somewhere like the UK and it's expanded tenfold. Well, the tourism industry at the minute and at the time of recording this has gone boom, obviously, post-COVID, everybody's away. However, we are moving into a more uncertain time. We're yep. being told we're hitting a recession and the cost of living crisis. How much do you worry about that? Um, every market presents opportunities. My One of my models would be control the controllables. We can't really control what's going to happen, but we can be in the best place to offer our customers the best product at the best price. It's like everything we've been through it before this, our generation probably. Um, it is just how you deal with it. I think we've learnt from the past and we're in a pretty good place to attack it. I suppose people are always going to need beds. It's one of those things. However, how long do you hold on to your bed for? I'm sure there are people that are maybe sleeping in the same bed that they've been in maybe since they got their first house. But, you know, then we maybe saw people changing things up. But what would you what would your the advice be from the experts? Yeah. Well, we would recommend it looking to change your bed every five to ten years. Now, it depends on usage. Some people, there's two people in the bed. It can be <laughs> more than two people in the bed. Um it just really depends on usage. The mind boggles here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and you could have lots of little ones yes. climbing all over the place yeah, and dogs and, and all sorts and everything it. going on. That's it. Okay, so you would recommend, and, and would that be the entire bed or would that just be the mattress? Just the mattress, really. Um, I could what use about turning the mattress? So, yeah, um, there is turnable mattresses, obviously, which can be flipped, but we would ap- recommend you rotate your mattress every three months minimum, that head to toe even, because... Customers and myself, even I'm a lot heavier than my partner. And if I lie in the one spot, it's like a sofa. If you sit there all day, every day, it becomes um, conditioned to your body, we'll say. But it's the same as a mattress. If I'm much heavier than Anya, so where I'm lying is going to show my body print. But if we flip it around, it gets a wee bit of reprieve. 
The technology, though, has advanced so much. Innovation, the memory foams, all the different, you'll be able to tell me some of them <laughs> now, but, you know, that's springing back. Yeah. It's not like the, the mattresses from <laughs> from yeah. years ago where you got in and you maybe, the springs were poking through and you were dragged into the middle of the bed or whatever. So it is incredible, the technology. It is, and te- it's advancing all the time, um, but a lot of it, is still very simple. It's pocket sprung mattresses are obviously the best, um, and then it's find the best mattress for yourself, uh, as we talked about earlier. It's not always the most expensive mattress. It's like a pair of shoes. Sometimes the most expensive pair of shoes can be extremely dear, but they're not very comfortable. Um, mm-hmm. It's the same as a bed. I have customers coming down who say, I want to buy the best bed, and they don't even lie on it. They take it home with them. That's personal choice whereas I would much prefer for someone to come down try out a few mattresses enjoy them spend the night well (laughs) (laughs) yeah possibly Um, but it would be more so find the best mattress for yourself what's the best night's sleep you've ever had where's been the best bed that you've ever slept in that's a very good question Um, I'm going to go back to the Titanic I'm going to have to say the Titanic Uh, I think it's just sometimes when you're away and you're relaxing when there's no kids there, it's been very enjoyable. I'll also say the Villa Rose up in Bali Buffet. Um, I remember after our second wee girl was born and things were a bit hectic and we got away for a night and I can remember me and my wife just laying down at the end of the night sleeping just saying this is fantastic. <laughs> and when do you think you'll next get away? <laughs> That's a very good question. Um, I'd say it will take a bit of time. Oh my goodness. So you have so many things happening. A, a new baby arriving and a new baby in a new store. How excited are you about Nuri? Yeah, it's now getting to the exciting stage. I suppose we've been through a bit of the hard work at this stage. Um, it's been full on. It's been a huge learning curve where we literally went to an empty shell, had a, an idea of what we wanted Luckily, the guys in Uri have been fantastic even coming here today. Everyone's been so welcoming. It's great to see how vibrant the community is, how good the people are. Like um, In the area already, we've used Grant Fitout, who done all the work. Michael McCall is doing our signage work. These guys are not just doing work, but they're also giving us advice and putting us in contact with the relevant people of who you need to know in Uri. I was talking to Eamon from BID today. Um, the guys in the Keys, Cahill and his team, everyone's so, so helpful. It goes such a long, long way to really giving us confidence that we've made the right decision. Well, absolutely. It's great to get that warm welcome. And do you plan to be here much yourself or will that be... I hope to get down at least busy. two, three days a week mm-hmm. all being well. It is an hour's drive. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just picking the right time of day to sneak off for a few hours and... Well, maybe, maybe you've got the business to such a stage now that you know you've got the right team in place to make sure that you don't have to be there all the time. Yeah, and that's it. Um, look, working has changed for everyone across the world, I suppose. Um, retail, you still need people there, but this idea of this store is going to be more digital. Um, we, as I said, customers, we want them to walk in and have a nice relaxing feel w- without being hounded to say, we need you to buy this bed. That's not what we're about. We want customers to go in and try the bed if they want to buy there and then perfect if not they can go home they can order online there's apps and or ipads with the app on the store where they can purchase sitting there we wouldn't even know they're in the store it's um it is a unique experience that's what we're trying to give 
So talk me through the importance of marketing to your business. You mentioned Erin McGregor at the start of the interview. Now, Erin obviously is a, a public figure, celebrity in Ireland. Um, I don't want to say just a sister of yeah. uh, Conor McGregor, but that's been big for you. It has, and... Um, as Ern is one of the most down to earth people you'll ever meet, um, we actually have a WhatsApp group. Me, her, and her brand manager, and it be good fun now. And with a serious times where we need to talk about work and what our plans are in the future, but she is the most bubbly person you'll ever meet. But she really loves this brand. She's been fully on board. Um, and how did you reach out to her? Why, Erin? If it's through our communications company, I can actually remember going to the meeting and I said to myself, it's time to get this message, get our brand, let's get out across a wider platform. Let's, I want to, everyone nearly in Ireland to hear of who we are. I had a few names in my mind and by pure chance at the end of the meeting, the guy said to me, we have Ern McGregor, who we would like to approach. And I didn't really know Ern at the time or didn't know of her, I suppose, and you, Connor, had sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went on to her profile and on her Instagram, I don't know if I've ever told this, but she had a message up about her and her husband, Terry, who they had just went out for dinner. And it was a very personal message about this. obviously their son, um, Harry, has difficulties. And she had a message up of how they just had mummy and daddy time. And I read it and it was just after we had come back from hospital with our wee girl. And I remember thinking she seemed very relatable. So I got in touch with the communications company and said, let's have a meeting. And we actually went to the Black Forge Inn for the first meeting and her other daughter, Taylor, walked in and she stopped the meeting to talk to her d- daughter, which I thought was very personal as she showed her real side. She was a mother first and then a business person after it. And from that moment, it was all systems go. We've been down a few times, Aaron's come up a few times. Um, we've really, really had good fun working on the different projects and there is a few more to come. That's lovely that you actually recognised the mother first before the businesswoman. I'm thinking years ago that would have almost been frowned upon, but maybe it just shows where we've where we are, where we are in the world now. Uh, that's it. It's the same. I'm a dad first more than anything. If I got a phone call now and I needed to go home, this interview would be terminated. You might. Out. You <laughs> might. I'm trying to to hurry through this, but yeah, family values really matter to you. Oh, it does. It's. Our, our DFI is one family, our home family is the other family. Um, everyone from every person that works in part of the company, we are like a family. And for a lot of our workers who've travelled from overseas, who are Polish, Lithuanians, these guys, it, it means more to them than work. We're building a community in our factory. These guys have become friends who go and socialise together. It's fantastic to see and hopefully long may it continue. And how has working with Erin boosted sales for you? It's been brilliant. Um, Erin can't do enough. Um, I know, if, like, I don't like even calling her an influencer because mm. I don't know if, I've never asked her if she wants to be called an influencer, but Erin isn't one of these people saying to me, if I do this post, what am I getting? Erin just sends me a message and says, can I share that? Can I do this? I'm saying, Aaron, you do whatever feels right for you. And she's more than happy to help. Being the business we are and trying to get her message out, she's been fantastic. We held an event, her launch event, and there was a lot of um, socialites there. I wouldn't have known a lot of them personally because it's not, I'm not really into Instagram, but it was a fantastic day for our, our brand. And 
it spread the message throughout Ireland, which is really what we want to do. And she loves her bed. She does love her bed. She's due a new bed now pretty soon. Um, you can follow that on Instagram. Oh. As she's looking for people to help her pick which bed to get, I think. is. Oh, lucky Erin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if there's anybody else listening to this who've perhaps, you know, maybe shared the same scepticism is that the right word or unsure about influencers and what they will actually do because some of them you have to spend an awful lot of money what would you say to people what advice would you give them when it comes to working with people Um, the first thing is please don't stay learn on us but (laughs) um, I would say influencers look there's horror stories where we see these guys looking something for free looking to when they're looking at influencers are looking about themselves almost they're not doing the best thing for your business would be my attitude. Um, luckily, as I've said, we have a company who sort of engages with the influencers on our behalf. If we're going to use someone, they have a good understanding of who is who. Um, I see more and more probably on Instagram p- different influencers popping up looking something from us. That's not what we're about. Um, it was a big decision to use any influencer, but there is definitely a right message that you can get across but it has to be agreed very much at the start that it's more for your company than the actual person themselves but the return on that investment has has been good yep the return it's we can't really quantify it in the sense of it got us x amount um it was never about that my my aim was to get the message of who we are and what we do across because long term that's much more important than saying well we got four times return, five, ten times return. That, to me, wasn't overly important. It was, look, there is a better option out there. So what's your current uh, favourite product in-store, online? I would have to go with Ern's Taupe Harmony Bed. It is fantastic. Um, my mother had to recently get one. She came down to the, the factory and seen it, and that was it. She was sold on it. Now, i got to say, even looking at the photos online, it doesn't do it justice, Um Anyone who comes into our factory and sees the headboard or the base straight away say that's the one I want. So is that right? I think in your so your mummy won't be popular. an influencer for you as well. She <laughs> wanted to be. She did, did she? send a few photos which we screenshotted, but <laughs> I haven't shared them on her yet. Oh, that's <laughs> lovely. Well, I'm sure she's very excited about becoming a granny again uh, soon as well. Very soon. What's next for DFI beds? Um, as I've said, we just keep looking forward. Um, there's a lot going on. Um, I've touched on we're doing a brand re- uh, rebrand. It's actually kicking off. It's pretty much kicked off already step by step, but it'll be on to social media now in the next few weeks. We have a new website, which will come live within the next few weeks as well. Obviously, the shop's very close. Um, we're going to start doing new products. I've got a new Automan bed coming on board, as long with roll pack mattresses, hopefully very soon. And again, just continue to build the brand as much as we can. And what about jobs? If anybody was interested in, in working for you, are you hiring? Yeah, especially in this local area. Um, just send a CV over to myself. It's the email to send it to is manager at dfibeds.com. Oh, wonderful, Brian. It has been a joy talking to you today. Um, I've loved your modesty um, accompanying that brilliant story of success. But the purpose of this podcast is to inspire existing business owners and those ambitious entrepreneurs out there to grow their business by offering insight into the success of businesses such as DFI Beds. The big question, what advice would you give to people who may have a business idea but have no idea where to begin or are unsure as to whether the risk is worth taking. 
Um, my advice would always be the risk is worth taking if you've got the right idea or the right product. Um, the one bit of advice I would give is in Australia, this end would have been, it'll be all right, mate. Over here, we sometimes say a little bit cruder, it'll do. Um, once you start saying that, it won't do. Because that's usually you've got 95% of the way there. It's the final push that makes the idea to what it should be. And once you start skipping a corner or two, you're really, it can become pandemic or I'm not even sure what the right word is. It can just spread through your business so quick. So always strive for perfection. Strive to do the best you can. It doesn't always have to be perfect, but it has to be the best you can do. Great advice. (laughs) I love that, Brian. Thank you so much for joining us on the Public Eye podcast. Thanks to you as well for tuning in. And I'll be back very soon for another fantastic episode. Bye-bye. This podcast was recorded in Granite Podcast Studio. Interested in starting up your own podcast but don't know how? Granite Podcast Studio can help. Record your podcast in our state-of-the-art studio, which is based in the heart of Newry City. Our studio has cutting-edge and user-friendly technology and can seat up to four people. We also provide an editing service for our team using your guidance and editing notes to provide you with a flawless finished product, leaving your listeners wanting more. For more information on how you can get started, visit www.granitepodcaststudio.com.